Coming up at 5 o'clock today, Colin Kennedy with SoonersIllustrated.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network, will join us. NFL Combine is officially underway in terms of the on-field drills. Defensive linemen going through their drills as we speak. All weekend long, we will uh, survey the NFL Combine landscape and discuss everything that is taking place. Draft season, baby. It is officially draft season. So we mentioned this in the opener. The SEC Media Days announced its schedule taking place in Dallas, Texas, beginning on Monday, July 15th through Thursday, July 18th. Kind of feel like Oklahoma got the the nice draw of this thing in terms of the day that you would anticipate has the most star power. Yeah, Tuesday, right. it's Georgia, Kirby Smart, Mizzou with Eli Drinkowitz, Oklahoma with Brent Venables, and Tennessee with Josh Heupel. Yeah, that's probably right. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of hype around Missouri, obviously. Georgia will have pretty much the label of who's who's going to finish kind of the guy now, right? Runner up in college football behind Georgia next year. That that title will be placed on them, and Kirby is the newest version of Nick Saban. It feels. I think the only other day. That I would be, I mean, I'm intrigued by all of it. That's not what I'm saying. But uh, the other day that we'll definitely have a lot of people doing a a lot of looky-loos will probably be on Wednesday when uh, Kalen DeBoer gets up there for the very first time. And then Texas being included on that Wednesday. But yeah, those, like Tuesday, Wednesday are are pretty freaking awesome, man. And I, I do appreciate how the SEC spreads this out. So they'll yeah. take three days. Like day one, four days. Well, four days. I'm sorry. They they give you they give you Lane Kiffin in day one. Like let's kick things off with a bang, and then the next day with Oklahoma coming in, and then Kalen DeBoer taking over with Alabama and and Steve Sarkeesian that's there, and then finishing it off with um, the Hugh Freeze is such a pain in the ass even trying to listen to that guy. But you get Sam Pittman, you get. Mark Stoops and Mike Elko, I, I like the way that they spread it out, and I wish that the Big 12 would have taken it upon themselves to not try to fit 16 in in one day. Yeah. That's that's far too many, yeah. or in two days. Wednesday, you've got Kalen, Labor, Labor, uh, Kalen DeBoer taking over for Nick Saban, Napier on the hot seat, Jeff Lebby taking over the Mississippi State job, and then Sark as – you know, a, a national title contender. That's that's a big-time day. Thursday, to me, is the one where I think... Get out of town day? Uh, yeah. we <laughs> Radio Row might be like a quarter of what yeah. it was the previous three days, right? Yeah, With dude, I don't know if we'll be there Thursday, if I'm just being honest. Sam Pittman, <laughs> Hugh Freeze, Mark Stoops, and Mike Elko. I, I would imagine that there's a, a decent amount of the media that, that probably head out of town. I think you can pencil us in for, for three days, and that might be <laughs> that might be good. You're not curious about what Mark Stoops thinks about Kentucky? I'm good. Or uh, Hugh Freeze and the new rivalry I'm def- with I- I'm definitely Kalen good DeBoer? Uh, not, yeah. <laughs> you want to hear Mike Elko talk about how great a program A&M is? Show him your rings. Oh, Show man. him your rings. 
Yeah, I kind of I looked at it earlier today though, and I I thought, okay, 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 woof. <laughs> you get to Thursday, and yeah, it's it, it that that one doesn't necessarily give you the warm and fuzzies. You know what? And honestly, after spending the the previous week on a couple of days in Vegas with Media Days, and then doing that, I'll be about Media Date out by that point anyway. But you know what? Going into that. It will. We will be starved for it. I think. Oh, of course. And we'll see what this off season looks like with the number of of breaking news stories we have about. I think the future of college football and playoff formats and television deals and realignment and portal and and all of that stuff that you know is so much more relevant. I think in the news cycle, keeping college football, you know, in the conversation as opposed to where it used to be. But, I mean, still, you get to you get to July and you are starved for any football news. Will we have any forward momentum or any finality in what the playoff looks like in 2026 by the time media days start? I don't think or so. Or do you no. feel that that is for next, next summer? They're going to need a full year to get something like this done. I think that nothing will be finalized and signed at least until after one season of this current format. I mean, you might get like some verbal agreements that, that, you know, maybe everybody thinks this is the way it should go, but we all know in college football, unless, unless you have a done deal, the landscape can change so drastically overnight. And the way people feel about what the landscape looks like can change so drastically overnight that, Unless anything gets done, I wouldn't take any report of, you know, this This seems like it's going to be a done deal as as gospel. When this came out yesterday in the 5 o'clock hour with Ross Dellinger talking about the 14-team auto bid model, where it's the, what, 3-3-2-2-1 model and then three at-large teams, I I think all of us had said, you know, we can't wait to digest some of this and be able to take almost a full 24-hour period and kind of give some thoughts on it. Have any of your thoughts changed, and have you been surprised at the amount of negativity surrounding the 14-team auto-bid model that at least I have seen so far? Well, I I don't think my opinions about – this thing and and just what my perception was yesterday have changed. And I'm not surprised at the reaction. I mean, I I think there are people still that absolutely hate the 12 team model and we haven't even started playing it yet. Right. There's still a lot of people that hate the fact that it's, it's been expanded to four, (laughs) much less to 12. And you know, that college football is such a wild sport because there's so many people that are just so anti-change all the time uh, that, you know, e- even I think going to 14 bothers people. And I think the automatic qualifiers within the leagues bothers people because I think one of the things that I think most college football fans probably have held more sacred than, than any other aspect of the sport is how, I guess, valuable every game is in terms of the weight of, you know, the, the Armageddon nature, I guess, of college football, right? Like, mm-hmm. For the entirety of our lifetimes, if you lose once in college football, you know, you you no longer potentially 
are in the mix for a, a national championship or you don't control your destiny for a national championship. And sometimes, even if you win every game, you don't get that opportunity. So college football, unlike any other sport, you know, I think says that you have to be perfect. And I think the fear for a lot of people expanding to four and then when we actually got the the 12 team model approved and now the 14 is that it it waters down the regular season and no longer is every single Saturday, every single game on Saturday Armageddon, you know, win or, or potentially lose your season. But I, I think it, it adds so many more playoff games. I mean, if you lose once, you know, you still have it, – it, it's, it's still very difficult, right, if you lose once, but – you don't lose your shot, and you still have. I think it, it makes that the games after that even more important, if you will. So I think it it amplifies the the strength of the college football season, and you know you're never going to make everyone happy, and there's going to be people that I think absolutely hate that the SEC and the Big Ten get more opportunities than everyone else, and. I mean, we've never had a system where the majority of college football fans have been happy, have we? No. There hasn't been. And what's funny now is that, and you're seeing it even with some media members that write things such as, remember when we had the BCS and even the four-team college football playoff, and you read things like, you know, maybe it had its flaws, but at its core, it was about figuring out college football's national champion. Like, we've gone full circle now to where we had books written about the death of the BCS. Remember the Dan Wetzel book, Death to the BCS? We've gone full circle now in all of this to where we're looking back now fondly in some people's opinions about what was going on with the BCS compared to their disdain for something that's not even factual yet or happened a 14 team playoff. I mean, I've, I've seen people call it, this isn't a playoff. It's an invitational. Sure. I I mean, I, I I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I could also say, I, I don't, I don't think that they've ever left the best team in the country out. You know, you can make the argument about about what happened with Florida State this year, and there have been a number of years where, I mean, the first year of the 14 playoff, TCU and Baylor, right, in that situation, and then Ohio State goes and wins the whole thing. <laughs> so, uh, look, there's never been a perfect system. The BCS wasn't perfect by any means. I mean, what about the year where Auburn was left out, right? Yes. I, it, it's never been perfect, and, and you can always find flaws – but I think the inclusion of more teams having that opportunity to prove they're the best is always a, a good thing. Now, there is such a thing as too many. I, I don't think 14 is too many, but you know we're, we're, I think, probably getting close to where you don't necessarily want to see it grow tremendously beyond that. I'll read you what Brett McMurphy wrote a little bit more here. He said, uh, the bottom line, and I hate to admit it, is that all of the auto bids are based on getting the most money possible in the pockets of the SEC and the Big Ten. Well, yeah. Yeah. said if the SEC and the Big Ten or Big Ten and the SEC, if you prefer, get their way, they want this model going forward, it will happen. The funny thing is the SEC and the Big Ten don't need automatic bids. They're already the biggest and baddest and richest kids on the block. They'll annually dominate the top of the selection committee rankings and will continue to do so. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what should happen. I mean, that's what should happen, but I, I mean, wasn't it, <laughs> wasn't the great movie Tommy Boy on the side of the Callahan Auto Box where he's talking about a guarantee? And the reason why he That's wouldn't right. get the one sale as a guarantee is like, I'll tell you about That's a guarantee. Right. Guarantees is as good it's as the box, the box that it's written on. Uh, but it, yeah, but it's on the box. But it's on the box. A gu- I mean, a- who? Name me an entity even outside of sports as I go calling out Cowherd now. You know, when you get a contract and guaranteed money, <laughs> that's a terrible call-in impression. I just picture him doing that, though. Everyone wants a guarantee. No, I want a guarantee. I want it in writing that no matter what, even in the one year that we might have a blip where we're not as good, the three of us are getting in, period, end of story. Even if we are annually the best conference that gets the most teams, I still want it in writing that this is indeed going to happen. Of course. Like, you've covered this long enough. You know how it works. When has college why would, football... why would they not use their power for that anyway? Like it just... Exactly. And when has college football, since 1985, not been about money? What? The entire reason Oklahoma and Georgia sued the NCAA was what? So they could have their own rights. Yeah. No, these are ours. We should be able to do with these what we want. This has been on this trajectory for a very long time when it comes to the financial parts of it so yeah invitational playoff however you refer to it but i mean that's like to to say hey why don't we just take the top 14 teams right in a in some sort of ranking well that's not going to satisfy everyone when you use a ranking system to just go one through 14 and then put them in a playoff you get get everybody screaming bias right exactly 100 percent that you do there's no good way to do it. There's, I mean, there's, that's, there's that's really, the reality. there's really not. And I, to be surprised by this because the two biggest entities want to control their own fate, I don't know why you would be. Now, again, what surprises me more than anything is that they wanted four, and again, this isn't a done deal by any means. These are, these are things that are being reported by a reporter that got this information from someone that wants you to know the, these things, right? So yes. take that for what it's worth. But the SEC and the Big Ten wanted four. But notice, you know, when that was part of the conversation and those rumors were out there earlier this week, there was no discussion about the other conferences getting more than one, right? So to me, if you had just said on Monday – like, this is going to end with the SEC and the Big Ten both agreeing that they will come down from four AQs to three AQs. I would have said, okay, that makes sense. Like, I could see that. If you had told me, though, that not only were they going to sacrifice one of the automatic qualifiers that they were wanting, but that the other two major conferences, quote-unquote, were going to get two I would have said, you're out of your mind. There's no way the powers that be in the Big Ten and the SEC are, are going to allow the, the margin of their strength to be narrowed to that type of margin, right? Like, it just it, to me, again, it, it's about guarantees. Like, I know it's one more guarantee, but are they uh, – do you want to roll the dice that every year you're going to land those at-larges and – I've said this forever, like, you might control the money, but 
long term, if we have a format that includes the rest of college football and the rest of college football is getting these automatic qualifiers, like inclusion is going to lead to more money for those programs that are able to capitalize on that. Scott, do you feel, because Colby said how he felt, a lot of people are, are on the hang-up about this takes away from the regular season. Do you feel that a 14-team playoff takes away from the regular season? No. In fact, I think the opposite. I think it adds more. So you're like Colby. Yeah. I, I think it adds more because it, yeah. you, you for a lot more teams, th- that goal of reaching the playoffs is, is actually attainable. Still so. giving you something to play for yeah. no matter what. And when, when you phrase it like, ah, this just devalues the, the regular season, it makes it meaningless. No, it doesn't. You still have to earn your way in. Exactly. If the ultimate goal is to compete for a championship, you still have to earn your way in. Oh, okay. All right. How many times have we said this? You have an early season loss, and that has crossed you off of the ability to compete for a yeah. championship because That's you right. had something happy happen early in the season. It has taken away the ability for so many teams to get better, to gradually work at their craft and to get better and to test themselves and to continuously build and build and build. And because you're a completely different team than what you were September 17th when you suffered a loss, you're still hanging on to that as, as one reason why you're not allowed to advance with other teams. Like timing of the losses in the past have played such a pivotal role in all of this. Like you kind of take some of that out. And I th- I've always felt like that that has been a part about college football that I felt like has sucked for a long time it has I, I think the reason though that people look at it from that perspective is because like if you look at it through the eyes and i'll just use the recent stretch of college football that we've had but it's it's been different teams throughout different periods of time but like look at alabama and georgia over the last five years and you could probably throw like ohio state and and maybe michigan into this group as well like i think people look at it through that perspective of well now like they essentially have a mulligan right or two mulligans they already had that though they've all they've they've always already had that the big powers in college football yeah have always been given the benefit of the doubt if if things are equal right it does so yes that doesn't really change even though i think that was that's one thing people have always pointed toward i know this is going to sound weird but college football, to me, has never been about winning a national championship. It just hasn't. I mean, sure, we all we all point to national champions and everything else, but like, what has made college football so great has been the fact that for the longest time, there's only been a handful of teams that can even compete for it for the most part. So across hundreds of campuses each and every single Saturday, they go into it knowing they don't have a shot anyway. Like, we're just here That's to right. support and have fun. Now, that that fits if you're the Oklahomas of the world or it doesn't fit if you're the Oklahomas of the world and the Georgias and everything else. Like, that's why that you're playing a, a different, almost a different sport in so many instances compared with everyone else. So now you've extended it out to give teams that typically wouldn't have a chance, maybe even one more shot. And devaluing the regular, regular season, you mean to tell me that at the end of a 14-team playoff and we crown a champion, we're going to go, you know what? That team really wasn't worthy. You know, they, they kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, they just yeah. rolled through the regular season. No, they went through a gauntlet of adding that many more games against the elite of the elite in college football at the end of the season. Of course they've earned it. 
Like no, I mean, no how many one's going to think that. The 14 playoff already have we had the yeah. oh that team that team should have been there. Nobody's going to think that at all. Yeah. I uh, I've I've always felt like with college football if you're getting an opinion from someone about the the sport as a whole, not not like a team, but you have to pay attention to if they're a fan of a certain team or they cover a certain team because they're going to look at college football through the lens of the team they're most closely associated with. And if you are an OU fan or you're covering OU, as opposed to being an OSU fan or covering OSU, you view college football in a much different way. Yeah, you do. Sometimes because the rules of college football benefit some in ways that they, they you know hinder the opportunities of others. Sometimes and it's not even close. That's right. Sometimes it's not even close. And quite frankly, again, this is just my feelings. I don't care if you've lost two games. Ole Miss makes the playoff this year, which I I would put them in one of the teams that I'm like, yeah, you know what? They should be pretty good. This this might be their year. I don't even know if that means winning a championship, but if Ole Miss makes the playoff this year and they've got two losses, I don't care. I don't care. Think about how many times – I think Utah had like back-to-back seasons – a couple years ago where I think going into the bowl season, everyone was saying, I mean, if, if you're talking about the best four teams, you better be glad Utah had a couple of early losses because nobody in the country would want to play Utah right now, right? Correct. And I think you also look at the, the landscape of college football and how much, it, how much it's changed to the point that your roster turnover is so drastic that you're going to hold everyone to, I think, the level of being perfect when there's that much player movement, like, that's also ridiculous. It's it's harder now to maintain a roster so that you can go into a season looking at game number one and game number two and game number three like they're playoff-type games. It's harder to do that than ever because you have so much roster movement that, I mean, why why would you not want to, in some way adjust what the format looks like to make up for that. It's a good point. I mean, I've said forever, imagine in the NFL, if like the chiefs lost to the lions on the, in the season opener last year, imagine after that, if we essentially just decided the chiefs no longer are, are worthy of, of playing in the NFL's postseason. Well, hell, even into the, they lost in week number one, even right? into the start of November, with what with the way they yeah. were playing. Yeah. But nobody has an issue with that at the highest level of the sport, but we have an issue with it in regards to eighteen to to twenty three year olds. That's wild to me. It's incredibly wild to me. So, anyway, yeah, the fallout of all of this I think is interesting, and and I, I think with college football, especially when it comes to the sport as a whole and the overall perception, I think the majority of people are always going to be unhappy, and I would also argue when the majority of people are unhappy about what's happening, it probably means the ratings are improving and getting better, and the sport is just making more money than it knows what to do with. So We're fueled by anger. That's right. All right, we've got to take a timeout. Pop has the reins next on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.